My guest on this episode of Geek 4 is, well, me. A couple of months ago, a friend of mine, John Longhurst, reached out to me to compliment me on Geek 4. John is a columnist for the Winnipeg Free Press. He's been a journalist, a writer, and an interviewer for many years. And I was greatly appreciative of the feedback. John then asked if I'd ever considered being interviewed myself for the show. And honestly, I hadn't. Not that I don't think my story is interesting. I've talked to enough people and enough people have given me feedback that they're fascinated by all the changes that I've made in my life in the last couple of years. I just never thought about being the focus of my own podcast, other than the audio essays that I haven't done in a really long time. So trusting John as a person of integrity and someone I trust, I agreed. Now, I want to be clear This is my version of my story, and I try to only speak to the parts that pertain to me and how things made me feel and how I perceived them. I try to be really careful to protect people, and I I hope I do a good job. I don't know if you will find this interesting. It's not quite as geeky as some of the other episodes, but it's me. Hey, I'm the problem. This is Geek 4 a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? So, Mike, hello from Winnipeg. Hello from Toronto. called home. How long did you live in Winnipeg? I lived in Winnipeg for almost 20 years. I and moved you came to 19- Winnipeg. Sorry, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to talk over you. Sure. You're going to have to figure that out. I can so, I can also play with the editing, so right. it doesn't sound like okay. I'm going to leave all this in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here you go. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, hello from Winnipeg. You moved to Winnipeg from Ontario. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I moved in Winnipeg all of twenty years ago, over twenty years ago. Well, that makes two of us because <laughs> I moved to Winnipeg from St. Catharines, Ontario, but a ah. long, long time ago. It's not the normal migration pattern, but now yeah. you've moved back to Toronto. Yes. So yeah. a year ago, 2022, you were vice president and academic dean at Booth University College in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. You were living here, you had a dog, and yep. you were married. Yep. And now you're not. None of those things are things. none of those things are true anymore. So yeah. So what happened? <laughs> um the the short answer is the pandemic happened. Um, I have learned um, through many conversations with many people that um, the pandemic was hard for everyone. And that is, a, I think, a, a, a truism all over the place. There, there are, I think, interesting things and worthwhile things that came out of the pandemic and how we responded to them. But more often than not, people actually had a really hard time. And one of the things I've noticed is People kind of, you know, some of the things that maybe we busied ourselves with to not pay attention to things that were not going well or stresses um, that that we already had in our life were amplified because of the pandemic. So in many ways, I recognize that my story is not unique, but it's still my story. So um, the pandemic just did a number on me in all kinds of ways. Um, I think that when I became vice president. So I was a fully tenured, full professor um, 
at Booth. I moved into academic administration about five, six years ago. And during the pandemic, when every decision that I made or was part of to keep the school safe, to keep things moving along, everything just became questioned by, by people, even people who weren't necessarily disagreeing with you, but you know, you, you'd always have those voices of, um, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could be together? Well, you know, I heard that this other school is going to be face to face, like just everything got questioned. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think anything was done out of necessarily malice, but it was like, I, I don't think people know how hard I worked to keep the school running. And there was just such what I felt like lack of appreciation of, of, of those efforts. And, you know, and then, you know, the, the relationship, um, you know, the marriage just, you know, the, it was kind of a the realization as, as social spheres kind of shrinking that, um, that I just, we, we'd kind of grown apart, unfortunately. And, you know, um, I have a good relationship with my ex and um, I was just in Winnipeg a few weeks ago and we had dinner. It was very nice to see her and I, I wish her all the best, but you know, it just, we weren't connecting and it just became so hard during the pandemic to, to kind of come back from that. So yeah, that's, that's the short answer is the pandemic. Hmm. And as you say, there's lots of people who share that story to varying degrees. But when you said the magic word, tenure, mm -hmm. people don't give that up lightly, my friend. No, um, it's funny. I was having lunch uh, today with a friend of mine, actually from Winnipeg, who lives, turns out, quite close to me. Um, and And he was kind of surprised, like I gave up. Tenure, for those of you who don't know, in the academic world, tenure is kind of like, you know, uh, contract for life. Like, it's really hard to get fired if you have tenure. It's not impossible. I think there's a, an older idea, like, where you could basically do whatever. Um, it's meant to protect academic freedom. You you can speak out against the administration. You can do research that's controversial and not get fired. But it's the goal of, of academic of academics. And I had that and, you know, was very grateful for it and enjoyed having that. I just was, I was just kind of burnt out and done. And given, given the way things went, um, I didn't know if I was going to tell the story, but I'm, I'm going to tell the story and I'll just keep it anonymous to, to protect things. There was a time during the pandemic, I was having a faculty meeting with all of the faculty who reported to me, which was everyone at Booth who was faculty. And we were talking at the beginning of the meeting and, you know, things weren't going great. Like enrollment was down. We were, you know, needing to stay online and that caused some friction with faculty who wanted to be in the classroom, even though there was nothing literally we could do. If we wanted to keep teaching, we needed to do it this way. And we were just kind of talking at the beginning of the meeting. And I, I made the, the observation that, this has been the hardest two years of my life. Um, I was working, you know, especially in lockdown, I was working like 18 hours a day. Like I just couldn't turn off and I wasn't sleeping well. So I was constantly working and there was always pressure. Um, I also, in my position, I had to deal with all of the requests from students if they 
were, were failing or they, they needed to drop a course past the drop date. And so I was dealing with all of these like horrifying stories of, you know, dying parents and people getting sick and kids getting sick. And everybody just had this extreme example of why their circumstance was special. So I was actually bearing all the emotional weight of that. And I am not an emotional person. Um, I used to have a, a rule when I was just a faculty member, no crying in my office. Well, that rule went out the window uh, when I became VP and, and, during pandemic where I was listening to all of these stories, um, just everybody had the, these horrifying stories that it was all weighing on me. It was the hardest two years of my life. And a faculty member said in the meeting, Mike, we don't care. It's hard for you. And that was the moment where I was like, I think I'm done here. I think, I think, I think this is now time for me to move on. And, you know, looking back um, in the 10 years before I became vice president academic, I worked for seven vice president academics. So it's a position that had high turnover rate. I stayed longer than any of the seven I'd worked for. I stayed five years. Longest anyone else had stayed was three in, in the time I was there my contract was done and I just didn't, I couldn't do any more. And it was in some ways it was a perfect time to leave. Cause I, I felt like faculty were kind of pushing back at me. I think blaming me for a lot of things that were really out of my control. And like, I, I really just wanted to slip away into the night. I'm glad I didn't. Um, the person who took over for me, uh, who is a very good friend and colleague and and has been absolutely wonderful. She checks in on me every once in a while. She sought advice in situations during the last couple of months. And she kind of made a point of of having a farewell with faculty for me. But there was a part of me that just really didn't want, like, I'm, I'm we're done. Um, I need to go. Um, but I'm glad I did have that closure. So, yeah. And the, you know, the thing that really, that really hit hard was afterwards, after the meeting, people come up, came up and said like, you know, that was a little, that was a little harsh, you know, probably shouldn't have said that, but nobody said anything in the meeting. It just kind of hung there. And I was like, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. So. So now you're in Toronto and what are you doing there? So um, one of the side projects I was doing as vice president academic during the pandemic was I was on a working group that the Salvation Army was doing about their training program for their, their pastors. And I was kind of brought in as the educational consultant booth is owned by the Salvation Army. So it made sense. And I was actually where it was the, the most life-giving project I was working on. So much of what I was doing during the pandemic felt like plate spinning. Like I, you know, cut back as much administration as possible to give faculty time to make the adjustment and to continue to work on teaching online. You know, we, we stopped a bunch of things that we were trying to move forward to give time um, and, and to give uh, energy in other places. And this project was like, different and kind of interesting. And I went to the person who's now my boss and said, I think we have something here. Um, I, I, I think I have the expertise to actually implement a program like this. And so I kind of, you know, created for lack of a better word, 
uh, a new position uh, for myself. And I applied for the job and interviewed and they, they hired me. So I'm overseeing the implementation of this new training program. Perfect. Yeah. So you left, you left behind friends in Winnipeg and Mm -hmm. we still regret Mm -hmm. not seeing you more often, but you also have reconnected with people from your past life in Ontario. So maybe tell us about that. Yeah. Um, as, as you know, when you become the boss, your kind of social circles shrinks anyways, and then pandemic just made it smaller. And I wasn't seeing a lot of people in Winnipeg. Um, I, I was really feeling isolated. And in part, that's, I realized looking back on it and kind of, you know, therapy, you know, that, that that's my own perception and the circumstances. It wasn't necessarily people out to ostracize me. I, I think I, I tend to be a little dark. I don't know if you've noticed my Facebook posts, um, but I also, that's my disposition. And I, I, I accept that and own that. Um, but over the pandemic, I started reconnecting or, or connecting more profoundly, I guess, with, with people in Ontario. I always come back. My, my family lives in Ontario. I come back once a year Usually what would happen is um, I would reconnect with my high school friends um, in, you know, in, in the city my parents live in, Oshawa, and we'd get together once a year. And now uh, we try to get together every few months. Uh, we've had two get-togethers. We just had one this last weekend in Oshawa. Uh, the first one, I brought them out to my neck of the woods here in Toronto, um, showed off my neighborhood a little bit. But I've also reconnected with friends from university. Um, people who I've kind of had long distance relationships with, uh, you know, texting email relationships with, uh, th- those have become more, more prominent. And, uh, yeah, I have this nice little circle, social circle of people here who care about me, which is nice. That is good. Yeah. So not everybody gets a chance and, and remind me how old you are again. I am 47 years old. Not everybody gets a chance at 47 to remake their life, but is that is that what it feels like? Yeah. Like remaking, restarting your life? Yeah, in many ways it does. Um, I think one of the things that came out of, the, like psychologically, one of the things that kind of hit me during the pandemic was, and, and I take full responsibility from this, like I actually forgot who I was largely. Um, actually this, this podcast project was, was started in the pandemic. The first interview I did was September of lockdown, um, I, I, with my friend Lisa, um, and it was an attempt to connect with people, um, just kind of an, an overt effort to connect with people about things that they loved. But I really did forget who I was. Um, I forgot, this is, this sounds so stupid. I forgot people liked me. Um, I like, I was having, I was having lunch with my friend Lynn who runs the Winnipeg Folk Festival in June, this last June before I moved back to Ontario. And she was so excited because Folk Festival was happening. And she's like, are you coming to Folk Festival? I'm like, uh, fun, funny story. Uh, I'm actually moving to Ontario and I don't know if I like Folk Festival. Like I, I, I know I like Folk Festival. That, that, mm-hmm. that was kind of a stupid example, but it was, it was kind of indicative of, of how I was feeling did I like the things I thought I liked or did I do them because somebody else did, or because I thought I was supposed to like them, or I thought that, you know, because somebody encouraged me to go to see something like, so a lot of the things that I thought I liked, I'm like, do I actually like that? And I had to rethink a lot of things actually. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this, this last few months has just been me exploring lots of things that I've always wanted to explore. So I took, you know, I had uh, TJ Daw on and, and Megan Phillips on as, as guests in my podcast. They co-facilitated a, a course on, um, uh, solo show writing for fringe. I've always wanted to, to be a fringe performer. I used to love performing in high school. It's one of the regrets that I, I didn't pursue that. I was actually a pretty good performer and I've always thought I could, I could, I could do that. And I just never did. And then taking TJ's show, I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it, but I, I now know in, in, in emphatically know that I could have done it, that I could do it if I wanted to. Um, I feel pretty confident about that. Um, I did a, a, um, a course a couple of weeks ago on presentation skills with, with Jessica Regan, the, the actor from the UK. And it was just like, Hey, I, I want to try this. I want to do this. Taking cocktail making classes at, at the bar around the corner for me. Um, like I just, things that I've always wanted to do. I'm just doing and enjoying it. I I really traveled a bit in the summer. Um, looking forward to some more traveling. So, yeah. You, you make it sound sort of appealing and I (laughs) I hope you don't mind if I ask this, but there must've been some dark moments too. Oh, John, there are always dark moments with me. Um, yeah, yeah, there are, um, where you thought you thought something meant something more to, you know, than it actually did. Or um, there are people I've tried to reconnect with who, for whatever reason, I don't want to say aren't interested, but like, you know, it's, it's fine. It's hard to find the time. Uh, I ran into somebody from university, just happened to run into somebody that I went to university with um, at the pizza parlor, like three doors down from me. And, you know, really, surprised to see each other oh we'll get together we'll get together and it hasn't happened yet and um you know one of the things that i'm trying to do is not oh well that person you know should have reached out to me so like i'll make the effort i'm making efforts that i've never made to reach out to people and you know sometimes that works sometimes that doesn't and i'm trying not to take it personally but my disposition tends to be a little bit of a little black rain cloud so you know, th- those are definitely darker moments. Um, in terms of like just thinking through where I st- like, I feel like I'm on the right path. So mm-hmm. even the darker moments, um, you know, the end of a, you know, the end of a relationship or something like that, I, f- I feel pretty good um probably better than i ever have and i think i think i learned a lot of um i think i learned a lot about myself during the pandemic and continue to learn a lot about myself so uh i have a friend from winnipeg who actually she uh she and her her partner broke up around the same time that me and mine did she moved to edmonton i moved Mm. to toronto and you know we haven't texted in a while but we were messaging each other back and forth uh just to support like you know we're the we're the ones who did the hard thing you know we started out and trudged out and to create a new life i know you like to read and you like movies and things like that were there (laughs) any books or movies that gave you solace or comfort or courage during this time oh well that was one of the first things to go during pandemic was the, the, the ability to read. Um, in fact, I've only just been able 
to get back into reading in the last, I'd say, six months. So a previous podcast guest and a friend of mine from the UK, Sally Ann, uh, published a book called The Clinic. It's her first novel. It's great dark psych- psychological thriller set in um, a, a health weight loss clinic in a Victorian asylum. It's brilliant and so, so good. And so Sally Ann had been a guest on here. We're friends through a, a, a film watching group. And I ordered the book and I probably hadn't read a book for about a year before that because mm. I just, I couldn't concentrate. And I felt so, I, I wanted to support her. She's, she's been a great, great uh, friend. And so I ordered the book and I told her, like, I got it. And it took me a month to read a not very long, like, like a 300 page psychological thriller that, you know, is a real page turner. And I felt mm. so bad. And I'd message her go like, uh, I'm still, I'm still reading. It's not your book. It's me. It's totally me. It's mm. totally me. And I finished it. And it, like, it felt like a bit of a, an accomplishment. Uh, mm. And then I was like, I just got to keep working this muscle. So in terms of books that gave me comfort and solace, like I read, I've read a few books on kind of like thinking through your life, that kind of stuff. I'm reading one right now called stolen focus about our inability to focus, which I Mm -hmm. think is kind of telling. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I, yeah, I've read some really good stuff, but you know, that would probably just, I mean, I'll say Sally Ann's book because it, it started me back on the the path to reading again. Mm. So you think you're finding your way back? Then, yeah, yeah. Books. yeah. Films are a little bit harder, I've found. Um, mm. They came back earlier, but I'm still like, I still get distracted easily. Um, mm. So I'm, you know, another former podcast guest, because I only have people I know on my podcast. Um, Adam has a film club that meets on Sundays and he's in the UK and a bunch of people are in the UK, a bunch of people are in North America. Every Sunday we, we, we join this group together and we uh, watch a movie online and you know, usually stuff from the thirties. So it's like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. That's easy. I enjoy that. We can chat while we're watching the movie. Um, in terms of like newer films, it's really hard to sit down and watch something. Um, mm-hmm. TV has been a little bit easier uh, cause it's shorter, but mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoy poker face. I like poker face. Okay, tell us about Poker Face. What is that? Poker Face is by the guy who did Knives Out and Glass mm. Onion. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a Columbo-style detective show where you see mm. the crime committed at the beginning and then you see how the, in this case, heroine, uh, female protagonist, solves the crime. And it's t- uh, Natasha Leone. And she's not a detective. She's more a, an itinerant traveler who happens upon all these mysteries, but it's, it's really smart. It has great guest stars. Um, there's this one episode where Judith light from who's the boss is like this former uh, revolutionary from the, from the sixties now in a nursing home. And she's amazing. It's just, it's great, great, great TV. Hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you're on your way to um, becoming a new Mike. Um, <laughs> yes. What is what is the future hold, or what, as far as you can tell? Ah, I don't know. Um, I did. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always on the lookout for new 
things, learning new things, meeting new people. I'm also like, I'm, I'm trying new things. I, I, I submitted a grant for a Canada council uh, grant, a grant application for Canada council to maybe get some funding to write a novel. I've been thinking about for 30 years. I don't know. I don't know. I mean that you're like most people we don't know, but you have, it's like you have, you know, year zero in your life now, 2022, there's the pre-2022 mic, and now there's the post-2022 mic, and this mic is being shaped somehow. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think of it. Um, definitely, mic has been shaped by, you know, I don't, I don't regret, um, and I regret things about what happened, but I, I don't regret what has happened um and, and i mean that but not not necessarily the ending but you know the whole relationships uh living in winnipeg i loved winnipeg um i do enjoy visiting now i, I do have friends and uh family still there um but yeah i i think i think that was a launching to something new and I don't necessarily know what it is, but I know I know more about myself. I know I'm not afraid to be alone. I know, you know, I I I can do hard things. I can I'm pretty resilient, even though uh as as my new friend Julian Lond points out, resist uh, uh resilience is futile. Um yeah. So you're you're beginning to slip into guru tech territory there. <laughs> Uh, just yes. so you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will be starting a cult anytime soon. You can send uh, you can send donations my way. I have a buy me a coffee thing on my on my website. Yes, you do. Yes, yes you do. So, so what would you say to listeners of your podcast who might find themselves in in similar situations, um, wondering what the hell happened in the last three years and who they are and where they're going and what they're doing and trying to figure out life. I, I honestly think everybody should ask the question. Um, th those types of questions of themselves frequently. I probably didn't ask them enough and that may have contributed to some of the patterns I've, I found myself getting into, um, especially around like, you know, kind of, I, I don't exactly know how to say it, like not repressing my needs, but like, you know, downplaying my own interests and and wants and desires and things like that um sacrificing you know i i probably should have been more on top of that hmm. if i i think you know finding just finding things that you like like understanding that you can do hard things that that things that are scary and seem overwhelming um yeah like that's why people don't do them is because they seem overwhelming when you're in it and you kind of break it down into pieces like you can do hard things hmm. um you know it's it's not that it's not hard and it's not like that it's not gonna cause pain and 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 hurt uh but it's if you're not happy i think there are ways in which you can imagine a better life and do things to make a, a life better. Hmm. So any good reporter always ends an interview with, and is there anything else you'd like to say that we haven't covered so far? 
Oh, so feel free at this moment. No, I think we, I think we covered it all. I mean, the, the, I guess tying it a little bit more into like podcast interests and stuff. I do feel that one of the things that kind of has, I feel a little bit of imposter syndrome with my podcast lately because I'm not as up to, um, I'm not as up on pop culture as I usually am. I mm. feel like I've, I've, you know, kind of been putting energies into other things at the moment. So I'm relying on people. Like when I, I interviewed um, Emily Strand a little while ago and she was telling me about all the new star Wars things. I'm like, I didn't even know that these things were out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did feel a little bad about that, but at the same time, I don't feel like I've sacrificed anything. I don't feel like I'm compromising who I am um, in, in doing this, but yeah, I, I, I feel like, yeah, I can, I can make sense of this. And that sounds like a good note to end on. Thanks, Mike. Thanks Thank for you. being on the other side of the mic tonight, answering questions. Thank you for suggesting it. I mean, when you, I mean, I have to, you, you paid me a wonderful compliment after, I think it was the Melissa Martin interview. You said, you've become a really good interviewer. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. I have been working on it. And like would you ever consider going on the other side and i was like uh i don't know and then i thought about it and i was like why not maybe people are interested and if they're not don't download this episode i mean that's that's i'll put that caveat at the beginning if you're not interested in me don't download this episode we will need a catchy title for it though so they're at yeah. least tempted to open up <laughs> and see what it's about so yes. you're gonna have to think about that yes I will. Once in a while. I will think but about thank, that. But thanks for sharing. It's not easy. Um, those of us who go into the trade of asking questions do so because we don't want to be asked questions. And <laughs> oh, you, you, a, oh, you, you figure that out. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> journalism is populated by introverts, just so you know. Um, but yes, thanks so much for sharing tonight and opening yourself up a little bit and, and giving me and your listeners a little glimpse into your life as it is today in 2023. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.